0: Again,
1: under the bar, the Icon Performance Health podcast. Yes. Hello, everyone out there. This is a Christmas special.
0: Yeah, it's just going to be chock full of Christmas goodies.
1: Oh yes, it's your, your favourite time of the year, Rodden. I know you get very excited about Christmas. Yeah, Christmas, Christmas and, birthdays. and birthdays to the yeah.
0: point I always make it a, a habit of mine to really let uh, where my work colleagues know that it's my birthday. Yeah, real song and dance and uh, and social media. I, I certainly uh, put it up for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. So everyone I don't know can wish me happy
1: birthday. And of course, uh, Christmas, traditionally speaking, is actually uh, one of the worst times of the year for personal trainers. Because they uh, they have less income, yes. They have more expenses, yes. yes uh, you know yes. they they get fat and out of shape. Yeah. Their, their clientele will come back to the gym in the new year. You know, rolling into the gym full of yep. uh, you know brandy Christmas and Christmas
0: pudding. Yeah. You and know? then you know the, the the coaches have, like you said, fattened up over Christmas. And then they got mm. a prospect for new business. And no. uh, oh yes. Yeah, they're going to train with someone that's out of shape. <laughs> so for our listeners out there, we're going to give you the the how-to, how to mm. Mm. For how to survive. Well, not really. I mean, you're going to uh, make a mess of it anyway but we'll uh give you a few tips
1: and um we'll make some sense of why you do make a mess of it yes because today we're discussing the uh food palatability reward hypothesis yes and this is something that's pushed by dr mike isratel who's got some uh, very interesting um articles and writings online mm. and uh you've done a couple of consults with him recently yeah made, or? i've
0: done one with him and i've uh you to know, touch base with him again soon it was it was great but he did speak about that so yeah. we're gonna um, and we might get him talk on the, on the show in, yeah. in future episodes. Get the line the line. I think Definitely. he'd be fascinating. Our special
1: guest on this episode, Rawdon, is Wolfgang Unsold.
0: Yeah, Mr. Squat Holiday, and what he's your, the the coach from uh, Germany. Germany, yeah, Germany.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your personal strength coach, YPS out of Germany, and he's going to talk to us today. I'm really looking forward to see what um, he's got to say. We're going to ask him about the squat holiday. Yes, as one of our listeners had an email yeah, in.
0: Was it a joke? Did he just write it up? No one's going to actually do this. Yeah. let uh, let's try and. Create something horrific and see yes. if anyone
1: actually does. But it might be a nice way to spend the Christmas holidays. Mm. <laughs> Squatting every day, multiple times. Okay. Um, and we'll also have Luke Tullock from Lift Performance coming in for uh, another segment. Groundskeeper Willie. Yep. And we're going to talk. fiery to red beard. <laughs> we're going to talk to him about the hormone insulin today. Yeah. Um, and this no, one, uh,
0: we're not, it's not going to be the the blah 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 pancreas beta cells, that type of thing. Insulin resistance, yeah. Yeah, don't spike your insulin, blah, blah, blah. We know all that, Tom.
1: Yeah, we're going to actually quiz him about the applications of this hormone for fat loss and hypertrophy. Okay. On today's episode, we're going to look specifically at fat loss. Okay. He might bust a few myths as to does really keeping insulin low have an impact in losing yeah. body
0: fat. Yeah. like uh, Excellent. Well, we can quiz him on that. We'll put him quiz on the spot. On it.
1: That's, uh, that's
0: pretty That'd much be enough show. for them. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: mate your uh, cheat meals have been quite legendary on this yeah. program at the moment what would you say is your meal of choice well, what oh, do you really Tom, enjoy eating put me on the spot
0: yeah well it's a it's a funny thing and we'll we'll talk about this why mm. why it actually happens or now the method to the madness we actually you know can um, comprehend why it actually occurs yes but made of late my caloric intake i wouldn't say is slightly hypo but not really like mm. i'm um but as what part you, of the recom certification, I was tidying things up. Right. But basically, my point is when I'm when the calories are okay, there's no real excessive uh, consumption of, of Look, yeah. our listeners will be bored. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last weekend was, uh, well, okay. Just, I mean, it's but, probably reasonable. But what's the meal? My weapon of choice at the moment is uh, I get a, a Thai, uh, so that's not okay. too bad. You know, yeah. a green green curry stir fry. Then okay. I get um. You know, then I'll of course get some spring rolls on yes. the side. Okay, you know? all I'll right. Get six of those on the side. Yeah, yep. and, and now it's starting to creep up in, uh, you know, being a little more worthy. But then, of course, I get some um, uh, <clears throat> some chips, some uh, you know, some fries, fries from the mm. you know the chicken shop next door. Okay, get some of those, and then um, and then I had a Ben and Jerry's tub of ice cream. Okay, after okay.
1: Off, so. so what we're what we're dealing with there is
0: <laughs> on this
1: scale of.
0: Palatability,
1: because you know mm, some foods mm, taste mm, really good, yes. other ones are you know quite are alright, and then we get down to some very bland foods at the bottom. Yeah. What you're describing has a nice mix of uh, salt, mm, of spices. Mm, we get different textures in the food from the fat that's in there, mm. a bit of crunch from the deep fried uh, spring rolls. Yes, there's some sugars and carbohydrates. Uh-huh. So you it, have it, a, a really a taste sensation, a taste sensation, a blend of all of these things that make food pleasurable, right? Yeah, and it's this palatability scale that we're sort of discussing today and how you can actually manipulate this in uh, both ways in a Mm. fat loss phase or as what Mike Israel will refer to as a massing phase where the goal is to put on scale weight um, and there will be an associated level of body fat that comes on with the muscle that you're aiming to build Mm. but on on either end of the scale so if you're craving food in a hypo caloric state Mm. so less calories the foods Mm. that you will crave are going to be those sorts of meals that we've just described then, you know, a combination of all these...
0: Well, those those massive uh, flavour injection, injections... The flavour injections. And then if you Really you're, stimulate the senses. Yes,
1: those. and then if you're in a hypercaloric caloric state, eating above your daily requirements, then typically mm. speaking, the foods you would find easiest to eat are the ones that taste really good as well. Mm. So they can be manipulated for either effect, and we'll go into that in, in more detail. Sure. If we look at, say, fat loss, for instance, mm. to, yep. to start with... The deeper you get into that fat loss phase, as you have to adapt to all these negative metabolic adaptations that go on and and keep increasing stimulus for fat loss, either through taking calories away or increasing calorie expenditure, inevitably there's going to be some sort of cravings that go on. And logically, your brain would say, well, you know, the pizza or the Thai food with the chips and the Ben and Jerry's, I'll be satisfied after that and yes. then I can get back into things and I'll be fine. Yeah. But, but will you, Tom? But but will you? Mm. Because it actually turns out that exposing yourself to those foods more regularly yep. prolongs this period of craving for those very foods where, in yeah. fact, just eating blander, more regular foods takes away the cravings and the requirement for those foods in your, in your nutrition.
0: Yeah, and, and to be honest, I have seen this, this occur uh, with a lot of clients where they'll... Um, you know they'll embark on the just trying desperately to make foods taste uh, more rewarding. So there'll be lots of texts and lots of, can I do this? Can I add this in? Can what? Can I throw this into flavor? And It's sort of like, okay, what are we actually trying to do here? Uh, is it maintain general pop type uh, clientele where they're trying to maintain a, uh, a sustainable, eating su- sustainable eating plan? Sustainable eating yeah. plan, which is you know the gradual fat loss over a 12, 16, uh, 12 month, uh, six to 12 month period. So a longer duration. And in, in which case there, I think uh, a little more uh, flavor might be okay. But, but the, remember, the, the depths into which you'll throw the individual in uh, to achieve the fat loss are going to be much less. So uh, uh, yes. a much uh, lower uh, hypo uh, or a much more subtle hypocaloric state uh, compared to what may happen when you're in a, a more aggressive uh, body composition uh, prep. But, um, yeah, and you, ha- and you have to draw a line on the standards. It's like, hey, whoa, whoa, wait. You know, like, these meals are uh, designed to, to fuel your body so you can train and, and do what's required to get the, the body composition goal. But you are essentially working with me to achieve. Mm. It's not really uh, general pop clientele. So for those of the listeners that are that fall into that demographic, a little more leeway. And, sure, you've got to work in with, within what they... Um, they deem doable uh, you know flavor wise but yep. I think you know you have to draw, draw a line in the stand and there has to be a point where you, where you tip from that that caloric surplus that hyper caloric state um, into an isocaloric okay starting to bring the calories back down to where Uh, what's isocaloric so baseline for them and then drop into hypo but that period should take out the cheap meals and they become less and less uh, frequent Frequent. the deeper into the the, the prep you go and Mm. the food actually in reality within reason I still think they need to have some variety because we know that overconsumption of certain things seems to lead to uh, Mm. irritation to the gut so I think some variety but not excessive variety and they really do have to change their mindset into it's just fuel to achieve the end result exactly what you've described
1: there and what uh, mike Isratel sort of suggests is that almost periodizing blandness Mm. on a sloping scale as you bring down calories and change programming you would change food sources to become Mm. more and more bland so that by the time they do reach those very last stages of a fat loss phase for a photo shoot or to get on stage Mm. that they're actually not craving food the, There's the, no emotion there. The, no emotion attached. It's purely yeah. just a fuel-based process. Yeah. And so the foods that you would move towards, you'd go to less seasoning, yes. uh, slightly less salt, yes. more uh, voluminous, fibrous foods that are harder to eat, mm. take longer to eat, yeah. and just generally
0: not that pleasing. <laughs> yeah. You know? But that's the reality of it. And, yeah. uh, and, and I've sort of adopted this approach, and our listeners will, will attest, and, and, and you'll uh, agree that, you know, you they're working with you for a reason and it's not really that long-term nutrition plan. It is a nutrition plan that is short-term. It's designed to get them, you know, the leanest they possibly can be at a, at a certain point in time. And the reality is it, it sucks. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's not supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be enjoyable.
1: But what you're weighing up is what sucks more. The prospect of only having these bland foods to eat, and yeah, got to deal with that, or constantly battling Ooh. horrendous cravings yeah. to get something that's mentally and emotionally satisfying okay. because once you take that out of the equation for a period of time and gradually titrate it down and mm. then it
0: becomes far more manageable. Far more manageable and, uh, and you see this deterioration time and time again like one uh, a client for whatever reason will will essentially break the seal they'll tip and they'll, they'll for whatever reason it might be an emotionally stressful day uh, for example this particular individual we're um, talking about had a, I think a, a, an exam that she had to study for and, um, and for whatever reason she needed uh, some sort of release and, and, and went down that path and, and consumed foods that weren't on the plan and, and very flavoursome you know fruits and, and, and uh, carbohydrate dense foods and, and things like that and uh, the, th- the thing is when you it's like a box of Tim Tams you know you go take one you can't just eat one you eat the whole, mm. whole pack because they're so flavoursome and they're so moorish you know yes. and, and they're designed to be like that and easily digestible mm. But um, and then it, ever since she, that, that sort of choice it was, it was the, the demons of uh, oh, I'm so hungry today, you know, like oh, this is so hard whereas a week earlier they were, they were I'm fine I'm fine, it's good, training's yep. good and then as soon as uh, they made that decision to consume you know, essentially these flavours and foods that weren't on the plan and, and thereafter it was these, uh, battling these horrific sort of cravings and um, yeah the, and that's Something that I guess I, you know, our listeners will, you know, any long-term listeners will, will attest. And, and when I was working with a particular coach, it, it, I was pushing myself quite hard. And, and those uh, cheat meals originally, it was it was reasonable. It was, uh, yes. I think it was a gluten-free pizza and that was it. But then each subsequent week, they got more and more horrific. And towards right. the end, it, I w- it would be, you know, to the point of one step forward, three steps back. Exactly. And, I, and I
1: found the body composition was just hit that... Precisely, there was a direct correlation with your, because I was doing your yeah. body fat at the time, a correlation with when you uh, plateaued. You are still very lean, mm. but the, the fat loss stopped at that stage when you entered this cycle of... Uh,
0: manic feeding. Yeah. Manic,
1: yeah. almost starvation, and then feeding. Yes. Yeah, it was an interesting cycle to watch.
0: You, you know, I like <laughs> to go uh, first-hand and, uh, really sort of, yes. uh, and, and, and really sort of balls deep and really sort of... But there is some merit in that, and that's yeah. honestly why, yeah. why I... I uh, was motivated to, to do it like that, mm. but retrospectively, yeah, I mean, it was error on my mm. behalf. And and to be honest, the guy I was working with wasn't advocating it like that. I can assure you, it was yeah. me, yeah, taking a bit of liberty and. Um Doing what you yeah, despise yeah. of in your own clients. That's right. Well done. Being a bad client, correct.
1: On the other side of the spectrum, and I've experienced this a little bit with uh, Paulie, who I'm working with down at the gym. We were talking about yep. him the other day. The the, coach. the battle of the ectomorphs. Yeah. And I can just give you a quick update. His. Yeah. He had a. Um. Uses his uh, activity tracker on his phone. Yeah. And. His, okay, because
0: you. You did think that there might have been more neat. More neat than, than, than what you're accounting and, for.
1: And he's walking about 14 k's a day. Yeah. Ooh. before he actually does any his PT sessions because as a good coach, he doesn't have his mobile phone with him in session. For sure. So the amount of meat that we get with Paul is extraordinary. That aside, Lance- um, in a massing phase, the goal is to put on as much size as he possibly can. Yep. It's great to start off with, but after a period of time, there's only so much brown rice and chicken breast, yep. one can actually eat or have the mental desire to get down. Mm. And if we take the approach that at the end of the day, calories in, calories out, macronutrients once they're covered so some timing comes into it but the goal is to get these calories in well the prospect of that can be far more appealing if there are some of those mixed meals or you have an opportunity to have some carbs and some fats and things Mm. that are a little easier to digest a bit less fibrous and more pleasurable to the palate it's something you can actually look forward to yeah
0: okay cool so it has its place you know, more for the when the calories are in a, a hypercaloric state, you're yeah. gaining muscle mass. Again, for our listeners, that 20, you know, 30, maybe yeah, just over 30 for some individuals, 40% absolute max, uh, upper threshold. You know, and and the thing is, when you do put calories up, you know, is there more neat than what you accounted for. So sometimes you will go yes. above that 30%. But uh, in that scenario, they can play their role and, yeah, and flavour some food. Yeah, or, or use habits. them in your
1: favour because. At the deeper you get into that style of, of eating, the you, you just forget that you actually get hungry. No. You're, you're never hungry in your life. Oh. Well, po-
0: post-prandial, you, you've got two-thirds of a meal in your gut still being digested and you exactly. throw another one in. Exactly, yeah, tough, and so tough you, can, times.
1: you can manipulate things in your favour there. Yep. But then certainly on the other end of the spectrum, as you get deeper into fat loss... Becoming more and more deliberate with the foods that you program Simple for your clients, foods. or that you choose. Yep. Uh, the blander you go, the easier it's going to be. The deeper you get.
0: And I guess while we're talking about that, I mean, what are generally what are the most uh, flat? Because I take these out from, you know, a uh, duration. And to be honest, at this point in time, none of my clients are actually having any uh, of these things post-training. But you okay. think about, you know, we keep these whey shakes in and these these tasty amino acid drinks. You know, and that in itself, when you think about it, that's a very, um, you know, a flavoursome injection into your your palate. Yes. And they could well be contributing to um, uh, cravings and... you know, nutrition deviations thereafter. So there might be uh, as much as whey protein, uh, awesome, uh, pretty much the best supplement on the planet. You know, post training in regards to amino acid profile and, and all the, the myriad of health benefits from whey. But maybe leaning towards those uh, neutral-flavored ones, the, the unflavored, and or, or the amino acids. unflavored aminos and, and, and essentials. If, yeah. if you want to really, for individuals that, that do have those demons of, of fighting the cravings um, throughout the prep, you know, there's, uh, it can be very challenging for some
1: so there you have it our little spin on the food palatability reward hypothesis and uh, i think it would definitely be worth us trying to uh, hunt down israel and get him on here mate because i think he'd be a good chat yeah
0: definitely we'll do that
1: yeah, so it would be fascinating to talk to him. And just to wrap this segment up, uh, mate, a few tips for people over the Christmas phase.
0: Yeah, because I think all our listeners, and myself, yourself included, will, will be having those flavoursome foods. And, exactly. And I'm certainly not in a hypocaloric state at this point in time, but there are a couple of supplements that you could use. I mean, the first would be a digestive enzyme. Yes. You know, like if you are indulging in this excessive food consumption, then need yeah. to... To take the load off and ease uh, the process. Ease the process, and certainly, uh, you know, if you are indulging in things like, um, you can get like uh, lactase to, to actually help break uh, dairy down. So you could be a little more strategic rather than a general amylase, uh, protease, lipase type uh, digestive. Something you could do one with uh, that does have the enzymes to help break dairy down. So that might be a choice if you're mm-hmm. indulging in that and you don't normally. Very good. Obviously, nutrient uh, petitioning type supplements, I mean, chromium uh, is one that we sort of throw around. I think we've yeah. spoken about that before. The one that, that I have come across that seems to be, you know, some research to back it up is actually a supplement called berberine. So berberine is a supplement, I think it's some sort of Chinese herb or, or something like that, but. Yeah. It uh, has been used in some studies to to look at the effects with type 2 diabetics, see if it can improve uh, blood sugar management, okay. comparable to um, uh, a diabetic supplement that uh, some of our listeners may be familiar with, uh, Metformin. Metformin, yeah. Yeah, it seems to be, uh, there's actually a, but it is used with um, type 2 diabetics and what it does is, is as far as I understand it, it uh, preferentially... Puts carbohydrates or, or shuttles carbohydrates towards skeletal muscle as opposed to adipose tissue. Yes. And prevents the conversion of uh, in the liver proteins, excessive carbohydrates to triglycerides and into fats to store in adipose tissue. So it stops okay. the conversion, but then also increases the right. nutrient partition in skeletal muscle. So that's the pharmaceutical. The pharmaceutical metformin. But However, berberine? Berberine comparable to that. So it's actually this particular one of the studies I looked at had metformin and berberine and they had similar profiles and uh, the berberine actually improved uh, cholesterol values uh, in addition to the the nutrient uh, or the improved blood glucose response. So dosages. Dosages, yeah. Um, This study looked at 500 milligrams. It's on examine.com. So if if our uh, listeners want to check it out, berberine, examine's got some decent um, write-up on it, but uh, 500 milligrams three times a day. So if you were indulging on Christmas Day... Uh, You're going to have maybe uh, your parents' place, uh, mum's place, dad's place, auntie's place, three meals, three big feasts in one day. Uh, You could for a a couple of days leading up to it, or even on the day, or anytime you're having uh, excessive carbohydrate, refeed periods, it could work well. But the berberine, 500 milligrams, three times a day, Uh, so 1,500 milligrams spread throughout the day. Uh, however, can cause a bit of GI distress to some. Uh, if that is the case, then 300 milligrams three times a day. But okay. they're really simple. Uh, I don't think it's particularly hard to get. But berberine, uh, over-the-counter a nutrient partitioning agent. agent. But anytime uh, excessive carbohydrate consumption is uh, is going to occur, mm-hmm. um, and those refeed periods, days, you know, five-day refeed, three-day refeed, you know, some. Um, uh berberine may may be beneficial okay well
1: we can chuck that one into the mix as well
0: yeah try that (laughs) very good
1: under the bar the icon performance health podcast with rod and tom and our resident neuroscientist luke tullock from lyft hello mate how are you very good how are you guys
0: Good, we'll mate. Sh- Keep that mic on the beard.
1: On the beard. The, the, the fiery fire red beard. beard. We were trying to come up with some yeah. sort of nickname for Luke pre segment.
0: Uh, and I came up with a good one, but well, we, we. You had uh, Groundskeeper Wheelie. You know? <laughs> 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 Man, it looks like that went yeah, down yeah, in the tree. Bad. <laughs> uh, we'll work on that <laughs> one. Work Luke. in progress. Something that's uh, not too, <laughs> 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 too offensive yet. A little bit flattering. Like Groundskeeper Willie he's in particularly good shape. Well, he's. He pretty buff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll take that. All right. Groundskeeper Wheelie. All right. Okay, Willie Fair enough. Right Yeah.
1: Now, at the top of the show, Roden, we mentioned that uh, today we're going to have a look at the uh, hormone insulin and uh, specifically how we can manipulate insulin for body composition results. Before we get into that, Luke, just a little bit of housekeeping from your last segment. Mm. With the link with carnitine and the gut biome and the potential colorectal cancer thing, are there any implications for those who supplement with carnitine?
2: Yeah, I'd say there probably is because if you're getting that carnitine in there, I mean, it's the same sort of thing that you're getting out of the red meat. So um, I would say in that case, there is an issue, but it still comes back to what is the actual health of your gut biome. So um, trying to keep that healthy uh, should mean that supplementing with carnitine is going to be no issue. No issue, yes. And that leads
0: on to your next point, and Tom. The, and so so
1: the next point is with the, with the hemoglobin link mm. from the red meat and the colorectal cancer yeah. and mitigated by the chlorophyll in mm. the leafy greens, if you were to supplement with chlorophyll whilst you were eating your red meat meal, would that mitigate the response at all?
2: I would say potentially it would. However, it hasn't been directly studied. So we couldn't definitively say either way. Mm-hmm. Mm. My uh, response to you know, supplementing with stuff is usually, let's go with the whole food first. And the yep. reason for that is because there's this massive matrix of nutrients that come within a whole food. Many of which we don't really know the function of yet. And that potentially is going to provide some synergism uh, in terms of absorption and utilisation and that type of stuff. So I still err on the side of each leafy greens. However, Mm. I wouldn't close the door on the possibility that supplementing with chlorophyll could help out in that regard.
0: Yeah, I'll give you um, my in the trenches tip, Tom. Yes, um, please do.
1: Could you use the word synergism if possible? Because... That, that's well, this the, this that's comment, the word of the day so this far This comment
0: is in uh, synergy with uh, Luke's <laughs> But you know I don't know if you've had a uh, uh, You know A steak with a, a glass of, of chlorophyll I'd prefer a steak with uh, some leafy greens myself <laughs> yes. But you have your chlorophyll Tom <laughs> you know, Perhaps maybe marinate the steak in chlorophyll If you will
1: uh, Yes cover a few bases <laughs> A very synergistic way y- to yes, eat red meat
0: Yes <laughs> Okay that's all that, That's all I've got boys <laughs> Righto okay. mm, Insulin
1: so the yeah. first of our hormones under the microscope in uh, your segments, Luke. So I guess we've got generally, and this audience is reasonably savvy, we've got a, a bit of an Pancreas, idea about... Yes,
0: beta cells, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yep, insulin, let's assume insulin we know like that. Insulin resistance
1: and all that kind of stuff. Assuming that we know that, let's look at how we can actually manipulate this hormone to achieve the physiques that, uh, you know, groundskeeper Willie swans around with. <laughs> exactly, um, good segue.
2: Let's talk about insulin in relation to fat loss. Yeah so i don't want to go on and on about the biochemical properties of insulin and all that type of stuff what i want to look at is the in the trenches application yep. what's the practical side of this what does the research say and i wanted to look obviously at fat loss first but i think a little bit of a an intro to insulin is a good way to start anyway yes it's actually a, a multi uh, sort of faceted hormone so a lot of people will simplify and say oh it's a storage hormone and in some regards it is but uh, really what it does is it kind of directs energy metabolism um, yeah. and it has a few sort of little functions that's going to be a little bit boring and dry to go into on the podcast but right. you know it can do things like you can change the way the cell membranes um, interact with this their environment and it can also do things like upregulate or down regulate Enzymes involved in anabolic or catabolic processes. So this is okay. where we're getting into the juicy bit of how does it actually affect fat burning, and then we'll look at you know muscle burning a little, uh, mu- muscle building a little bit later on. Okay, excellent. Yeah, um, nuts. Mm. Obviously, the carbohydrate hypothesis of obesity—it's uh, been promoted by you know Gary Taubes and then sugar w- from Robert Lustig and and those kind of guys—and they say that the insulin spikes caused by Uh, consuming too many carbohydrates is actually what prevents us from burning fat which is an interesting stance to take because uh, there's actually a lot of research out there that can tell us the exact answer and uh, we're going to look into it a little bit but um, while insulin can sort of suppress fatty acid oxidation on a micro level uh, that doesn't actually seem to add up into macro effects provided you have your caloric intake yeah. under control.
1: Okay. so in the presence of insulin in the bloodstream mm. fat loss or fat oxidization would be would be nullified for just that period of time
2: yeah potentially but it's under or certain lesser. conditions because here's the thing insulin doesn't act by itself there are other hormones that are related to fatty acid oxidation or right. fat burning yep and other ones that actually suppress that as well so insulin does suppress fatty acid oxidation when it's elevated But there are other hormones. Uh, Hormone-sensitive lipase is something that some people might be familiar with. And that actually is a counter-regulatory hormone to insulin in terms of fatty acid oxidation. So um, it promotes uh, fat burning. And there's another hormone that's probably the main one responsible for fat storage uh, called acylation-stimulating protein. That has multiple mechanisms. Uh, One of them involves something called fat-specific protein 27. And this one actually acts completely independently of insulin and uh, we see with people that have more body fat their level of this F S P twenty seven is actually higher. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the the point I'm making here is that insulin cannot on a biochemical level produce chronic body fat gains in hypochloric conditions. It just can't happen. Right.
1: So On the mini level that you you mentioned, so fat burning or oxidization can be slowed or stopped Mm. for a period of time whilst insulin may be elevated. Mm. However, on the broad prospect of your day, provided that you are in a caloric deficit, even counting for a couple of spikes of insulin throughout that day, you should still lose fat, provided you are in a deficit. Yeah, absolutely. Is that what we're
0: saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, you probably referenced the studies, but they've time and time again looked at... uh, you know, uh, nutritional intake in a caloric deficit with loads of carbs, so insulin's up, and then caloric deficit, no carbs, protein, fats, veggies, that type of thing. And there wasn't a significant difference from what I recall, anyway. Like yeah, it, it right. It, it all comes back to that energy. In the energy
1: balance. Out. So yeah. then, I guess it wouldn't necessarily matter if your carbohydrates came from maple syrup or brown rice over y- the course of the day.
2: Yeah, not necessarily. And, and I mean that uh, that comes back to you know things like glycemic index as well, which I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit. Uh, glycemic index and glycemic load. You know, a lot of the research has looked at high GI versus low GI diets, and it sort of logically follows that the higher GI the food is, the more insulin is produced. Yes. Yep. One of insulin's main roles is to just regulate your blood glucose. So when it goes up, insulin is pumped out into the blood, and uh, that allows greater uptake of glucose to bring it back down again. Yep. Um, so there is an interesting interaction here with sort of GI because people will respond differently to GI uh, depending on the person and I mean there are a lot of factors like um, you know what you've eaten previously, how much exercise you do, your genetic makeup, there's a lot of research coming out now actually looking at uh, the makeup of your gut biome again, another hot topic comes up again and um, that can actually influence... Your blood glucose uh, response to the to the food you eat, regardless of whether it's high GI or low GI. Right. The issue with the GI foods, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, is that when you have something that's you know obviously very sugary and not particularly nutrient dense, you have this issue of uh, it potentially dysregulating appetite mechanisms, um, you know, food reward type stuff. Yep. And that's really where it comes in. So it, it can potentially make it a bit harder for people to control their energy intake right? and then in that case you've got a guy who maybe is in a hypercaloric state uh, with you know who happens to have a very high uh, insulin load as well and that's where we start to see things like um, you know insulin actually playing a problem okay, uh, you, well, syndrome. yeah results. exactly yeah so anyway okay um, interesting if we look at uh, glycemic index it's kind of like BMI in a way so it gives you a general idea of comparing foods and the effect on blood glucose so bmi can be handy to kind of give you a broad idea of where someone's body size is but it's obviously not um specific to individuals i'd probably say all of us in here yeah. are technically overweight yeah. At least, yeah. yeah so um that's kind of how the gi thing works uh so the way gi ties into this is basically if the insulinemic effect of a diet was a major determinant of its ability to regulate fat gain or fat loss and we'd see low gi diets basically beating high GI diets out for fat loss in the literature right that makes sense makes sense so we've had a few research studies looking at this and they go back as far as 1999 from what I could find Um, so the following trials examined whether people uh, who have better glucose metabolism lose more fat than those with impaired glucose metabolism we have McLaughlin in 1999, DeLuise in 2005, and Noakes in 2006, and all of these guys found that there was no difference between people uh, who had impaired glucose metabolism versus people who were insulin sensitive, for lack of a better word, okay. in terms of fat loss. Okay. And those were under hypocaloric conditions. So it comes back to, if your calories are low enough, right. okay. the yep. insulin effect doesn't matter. Yeah. Yes. No difference you're not convinced by that the following trials are looked at whether a high GI diet or a low GI diet which is you know high or low carb usually resulted in better weight loss we have Raven in 2002 Foster 2003 Stern 2004 Rats 2005 Dancing at 2005 Ciceri in 2007 Das in 2007 and Aston in 2007 <laughs> all of those studies found that there was no difference between a low GI diet and a high GI diet in fat loss under hypocaloric
0: Okay, yeah, that, that's wow. interesting, Luke. But I think you did you leave out the uh, the Twinkie uh, <laughs> oh. study. Yeah, well, I think yeah. that's. I mean, they're all compelling arguments you got there. But the <laughs> the one that got me over the line was the dude that ate the Twinkies, and because he was in a obviously spiking insulin, Insulent, I would think yep. sugar. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that he was in a, that's all he ate and he was in a hypocaloric uh, state and then he still lost fat. So, yeah, mm, that really Sealed the deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sealed the
1: deal. Well, mate, that's exciting for you. Yeah, let me just <laughs> reach yeah. over and grab a Twinkie now. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, in terms of uh, insulin resistance, then, Luke, would that be more linked to overall body fat levels than it would to the amount of insulin that you spike? I.e., if you're lean or in a hypo, Caloric situation and still repeatedly spiking insulin all the time, mm. insulin resistance wouldn't be an issue.
2: Yeah, hypocalorically, you're probably less likely to run into issues with insulin resistance, and we see things, um, you know, as lot with things like fatty liver disease and you know blood pressure issues, inflammation, and all that type of stuff. Actually, that stuff becomes way, way easier to control if you are in a hypocaloric state. state yeah. Yeah. So that's really kind of the key the key point here is that just because you see someone who's um you know overweight happens to be insulin resistant or happens to eat a, a diet that is maybe high gi that doesn't necessarily mean it's the high gi diet that's put them in that state it's probably just the fact that they're eating too much of yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah well that's fascinating well yeah. well yeah. it's 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 reassuring yeah you know yeah absolutely um you know i mentioned a little bit earlier as well that uh there may be an interaction with sort of appetite and satiety in insulin mm, yep. um, so this has been investigated as well I got some more studies to throw at you there are four studies that I found that had a look at whether diets that produce a greater insulin response actually affect your appetite or not yep. and some of them were kind of cool like they would uh, feed these guys either a really high GI breakfast or a low GI breakfast And then they'd invite them all to a buffet later and they would measure (laughs) how much these guys ate. Wow. Yeah. That's my sort of (laughs) study. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, man. Where do you sign up for that? At ARIA in Vegas, that's an extremely worthy buffet there, I can assure you, (laughs) (laughs) any time of the day. Yeah, man. So there were four studies, Anderson 2002, Flint 2006, Bowen 2007, Akavan and Anderson again in 2007. All of them had a look at uh, whether insulin affects appetite all of them found that there was either no effect from a high insulin diet on appetite versus a low insulin diet and i think one of those actually might have been the last one actually found that uh the higher insulin producing meals were actually more satisfying than the lower insulin producing meals Mm, yeah right and this comes back if we look at something like at gi for example um, white potatoes have a really high GI yes. yeah. but they're actually also probably one of the most satiating foods that yeah. there is out there you yeah. know? so there's this little paradox um, that exists over there so you can't just automatically say oh you know you eat low GI to control your cravings or whatever um, it actually looks like the evidence would say that there's no difference between no difference. stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely okay myth busting
1: yeah myth busting yeah. okay, okay so to any, any more on the fat loss
2: yeah, there was one more thing I found, an uh, interesting study that actually was i uh, found it through Alan Aragon actually, I think it was in one of his research reviews, mm. uh, where these uh, scientists found a drug that actually blocks the action of insulin. So they gave this drug called diazoxide and they gave it to obese people and gave them an 8 week diet of calorie restriction. These guys were insulin resistant obese subjects and there was no difference in weight loss or fat loss compared to placebo while on this insulin blocking drug. So that shows us that uh, you, know, you can even take drugs to block insulin and again, no difference okay. in fat loss.
0: So I guess the take home message there is you know, overall it's the energy equation that's the, the key mediator of uh, putting on body fat, losing yeah. body fat.
1: So by all means have a uh, meat and nuts breakfast, but at the end of the day, eating uh, protein and fats all day long, if you're in uh, a surplus of calories, is not going to help you lose any body fat any better than eating uh, a sugary diet with the same but, calories. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. And then the you know what 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 most fail to realise is uh, the protein is highly insulinemic anyway, and yeah, yeah probably of spiking it is. And insulin is the same yeah. as uh, the yeah man, and the the.
2: BCAAs you take during your workout that's and it. the way afterwards. Yep. And that's yeah, yeah
0: No, no, you just sip on BCAAs all day. It, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't do anything seriously. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Okay. All right. Well, that's a, like you said a bit bit of
2: myth busting there, and um, I think yeah. be aware of yeah. Assuming. And you know, if you look at um, I just spoke about the low GI versus high GI diets. It, seems that like in the short run for some people low carb does actually work a little bit better and it's a case of like maybe you know five percent better something like that so if it's something that you can stick to and it's something that you feel works well for you then by all means go for it but if we look at six months plus there's no difference between the two so in my opinion the flexibility that that allows you is probably more valuable hey i can i can eat low gi or high gi as long as i take care of my calories i'm cool I think that flexibility is really important in terms of long-term success
0: what about before we move on from the i guess we are talking in uh, relation to fat loss specifically i suppose yes what about um the health concerns with with elevated insulin levels because yeah. i know charles sort of talks about insulin um as the hormone of aging you know he feels that there is issues having insulin elevated for extended periods yeah. Okay, for a fat loss perspective, and then you'd have to argue that when the individual is uh, lower body fat, that then all these uh, uh, health concerns of the insulin is probably uh, much less significant because there's a myriad of health benefits being leaner. Yeah. But what about, um, is that something to be aware of? You know, that that, uh, over time uh, having, uh, or... You know, like we just pointed out, whether your choice is with protein or, or BCOs during the workout or, or whey protein afterwards, or is it just a, a part of life that insulin is going to be elevated up and down, uh, postprandially, uh, with anything we eat pretty much, yeah. and it's and it's not... Uh, you know, it, it, is there perceived health benefits by trying to mitigate the insulin response to some meals? Forget about fat loss for one second, just like overall longevity yeah, and, and I,
2: Look, I think there is, and especially if you're already insulin resistant or there's you don't perform much physical activity if you're stuck in an office all day and that sort of thing and i I should actually add that even lean people guys who train hard they're still at risk of having issues with blood sugar uh metabolism you know regulation because You can train super hard for that hour or whatever it is, and if you go and you sit on your ass for the rest of the day, man, you're probably still going to have issues in terms of managing your blood glucose. So, I think certainly in some populations, I don't mean to say that everybody should just not worry about having sugar or anything. Yep. Um, But uh, I think certainly in some populations, it can be helpful to try and manage their their insulin Um, sugar load, I guess, and their sugar load. Yeah. I mean, I think. In that case, using like a lower GI diet or maybe just giving them um, carbohydrates in accordance with the amount of physical activity, no matter okay. what your body fat is, yeah. Yeah. is a good way of doing things. Okay. Um, and further to that, if you want to see the biggest results, you're going to get the most bang for your buck by controlling your caloric intake. Okay, yep. cool. cool. Okay. So a few bit of a wrap up there, caloric intake king. Control insulin
0: again comes back to, I guess, carbs. Earn your carbs to some degree. Yeah, throw them in around training and and, and things like that. Makes
2: sense.
1: Special guest time here on the podcast with Rawdon and Tom. Rawdon, I'm going to start this one with an email. This came in from uh, Matt Walsh a little while ago. Hey, guys, huge fan of the podcast. I can't wait to listen to it each fortnight. It is by far my favorite podcast. Thank you very much for doing it. (laughs) The information is top-notch, and the banter and humor isn't bad either. I would love to hear a podcast with you guys and Wolfgang Unsold, if possible. I recently completed his squat holiday. My 3RM increased by 20 kilos over the week. My quads grew 1.5 centimeters, and my body weight stayed the same, but I got significantly leaner. I I will be doing his squat day in about four weeks. The refeeds I had during and after the squat holiday program would definitely be up there with some of Rawdon's cheat meals. Uh Um, (laughs) So he, he might send some of them in to get your approval, mate. Okay. Um, he goes on to ask a few more questions and good. you know blow some smoke up our behinds, uh, Rawdon.
0: Well, well, I'm glad you uh, read that one out, but uh, you know, all you've got to do is ask for it, and we'll get the celebrities on, mate. We'll get it done. We'll get it, it done. Exactly.
1: So ask and you shall receive. With us on the line right now is Wolfgang Unsold himself. Wolfgang, thank you very much for your time, and welcome to the program.
3: Thank you for having me, Tom.
1: <laughs> it's exciting to have you here. I mean, uh, obviously... We'll get into the the squat holiday a little p- later in the program because yeah. um, anyone that can put uh, 20 kegs on their 3 RM and, and get some girth around the quads yes although I, I don't think the process is particularly enjoyable not something I would do for a holiday yeah
0: the more I find out you know I'm starting to curl but the, the less are starting to curl yeah. on this yeah one. It sounds like hard work to me Tom, that's but right we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit later
1: but before we go there Wolfgang could you just give us a bit of a, an overview of, of your career and and how you've um, got to the position that you are today?
3: All right, I um, went to school, graduated, and then I went to university, I did four semesters of business, and I dropped out because I realized that uh, this is not for me. I uh, didn't know what to do for a while, and that's about the time when I got into training. I used to do a lot of middle distance running before that. I ran over 100K a week, which most people don't believe me now, but I did back then. Yeah. And had some severe shin splints, which wouldn't go away. You put some cream on, you rest for a month, you go back running, and they come, they come right away. Yeah. But I got a little pissed, and stopped running, and always liked sports, so I didn't know what to do. And uh, one of my friends at the time, he was uh, training in the gym doing bodybuilding since he's 16 years old, and he was like, "Why don't you try out weight training?" And uh, went to the gym the first time. I got my first first post-workout shake. I remember it was grape juice. An unflavored soy protein. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep.
0: Soy cheese.
3: Flavor experience. Uh, <laughs> yes. And then basically, I stuck with weight training since then. I like the way it, how it's structured it is, how number oriented it is. And now there's a set schedule for everything. And now there is constant progression. There's no other sport that you can do where you see constant progression in every session you do. Mm. So I stuck with it. And eventually uh, made it my job. Did a few seminars in Germany. Realized back then, with the little knowledge I had, that what they teach is not gonna get me anywhere. And then I started doing uh, seminars internationally, which was the first uh, seminar with Charles I did in uh, November 2008. And with like going internationally for seminars, I realized what uh, what big potential is there in the German fitness industry. Yes. I later opened up my own gym, the Your Personal Strength Institute in Stuttgart. I opened it up in September 2010, and it was the first gym in Germany, personal training gym that had dumbbells and barbells. Before that, the only thing that that was there was like a power play yoga type personal training gym, but nothing that would be like real training, real weights, and um, yeah. Since then, it's it's growing with ad. Um, some seminars, and we have added this year uh, trainer certification.
0: Yeah, I saw that. so that. Uh,
3: the a B license and an A license, which is what you need if you want to work as a trainer in uh, in a German gym. I've also added uh, last year in January. We've added the supplement line. We have uh, we, the first two supplements we came out was like a magnesium and an inositol, and then later in the year we did also um, another one amino electrolyte complex. Some of the li- li- <clears throat> listeners might have tried it yet. It's a very popular product. Yes. Since then, it's growing.
0: I guess uh, the supplements, yeah. I mean, I'll just chime in there quickly and say that I've, I've used all of, uh, all of those and they're uh, ultra-high quality. You know, mm. um, I think uh, second to none in the industry.
1: I was just going to say, on the supplements, I mean, they are. I've tried the Amino Complex as well. It's it's really good. Why did you actually, or how did you get into that? I mean, how do you go about creating your own uh, supplement line?
3: I've always had ideas, so I always think about how can you make stuff better. But back then, when uh, Charles had his own supplement line, I, I would have never done that. But then Charles didn't have his own supplement line anymore, so I was like, okay, what do I do? I don't like certain things, so instead of just complaining, I have to do something about it. So, the first two products I thought that uh, would have the most benefit to my work were the two I came out. It's uh, the magnesium. It's three different types of magnesium. It's in three types that in my opinion um, are, have the broadest effect on uh, different tissues and uh, different functions. And then the other product that came out was the inositol. There's no fillers in. Basically, it's inositol with magnesium bisglycinate, taurine and glycine, so it has a very calming effect on the nervous system and at the same time, it supports uh, the liver function, especially phase two. And then over a half year later, basically, I always used to use a certain amino product and I always got these electrolytes and I always have to get extra phosphor. Phosphorus, I think it's in English. Mm -hmm. And then at a time, I ran out and I was like, I have to wait to get that again. And I just basically had the idea, hey, I like to combine these products. There's no product out there that combines amino acids with electrolytes. And there's only two products I now know that have phosphorus in an electrolyte product, which in my opinion, uh, one of the, if not the most important electrolyte, especially in Germany, because our soils are so depleted in it. Mm. and phosphorus is so important for recycling uh, atp yes so i basically combined the product that's how i came up with it just like evolution
0: mm. yeah, fantastic yeah, we've had uh, Mark Shouse on and of course you'd be familiar with uh, uh, Dr. Shousey's, uh work and he, he's a, a huge, huge fan on the, uh, on the electrolytes and really feels yeah. that they're a, a key player in just, just general health, let alone performance. Uh, do you find that, uh, are, are they significant in the, the role of hypertrophy or is it more recovery that you're uh, using the amino uh, electrolyte blend?
3: Overall, you need it. Number one, you need it for proper function of the nervous system. So if you weight train, you need your nervous system because the muscle doesn't know what to do. The nervous system tells the muscle to contract. Yep. So the better uh, nervous system function and the more muscle fiber you can contract. So electrolytes play a big role. And also directly on uh, hypertrophy, water fluid in, uh, in the muscle plays a big role. So the more fluid is in the muscle, the more hypertrophy you have, have, because muscle is about 75% uh, water. So the better you're saturated with electrolytes, the easier it is to have more fluid in the cell, which is more important than just having more fluid. Mm. Um, The easier it is to grow and the easier it is to put on size. Mm. We in Germany have easy access to another electrolyte, which is potassium, which I uh, use and I like to use in large quantities. And I recommend everybody that comes to intern with me from abroad, I always recommend them to get a box of uh, potassium because it actually increases the fluid shift into uh, the cell because this is where you want to have the water. Uh, in, in bodybuilding, some or some old school bodybuilders used to use it uh, pre contest to yep. increase fullness of the muscle. Mm-hmm. I do use it post workout to increase uh, fluid uptake into the cell because the more fluid is in the cell, the greater protein synthesis and the greater recovery you want little fluid outside the cell a lot of fluid inside the cell and the easiest way to do, do that is by minerals exist in pairs as far as fluid retention the pair is sodium and potassium yes the so sodium sp- uh, <clears throat> retains water in the extracellular fluid whereas potassium retains water in the cell so what you want is you want as much water in the cell instead of outside the cell how do you negatively impact that it's very easy by releasing cortisol because if you release cortisol what's also gets is uh, aldosterone and mm-hmm. aldosterone will hold back sodium and you will uh, it will pour out potassium so the more stress you have the worse your shit, the, um, the the balance fluid shift. So by increasing potassium intake, you actually benefits the fluid shift. So you have more fluid in the cell and it promotes hypertrophy and recovery and muscle mass. I've had one intern, he is a physique competitor actually, WBFF from the US. He put on around five kilos of lean mass in four days. And the only thing we basically changed during his internship was that his, post-workout shake was a bit tweaked and one of the main tweaks was that we added 1.6 grams of potassium in his yeah. shake
1: so that, not, yeah i was going to ask what what sort of dosages you actually use the potassium obviously in germany it's uh, available as a, as a supplement which you can easily get your hands on
3: uh, it's very easy to get you buy it on amazon
1: yeah yeah. Okay.
3: You can also get it in the US. I don't know about Australia, but I would assume you can get it. Uh, there's different forms. The one I found the best effect with is potassium citrate, but in uh, in Europe, it's easily available.
4: Mm. And,
3: okay. uh, in the US, is too, but you have to look for uh, you, Usually, the capsules are limited by 99 milligrams, right. uh, which you need quite a bit of capsules. Yeah. In Australia just have to look
0: around. You'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think you can't get it over the counter here, no. with potassium, but you m- might be able to order it in. So I'm pretty sure I've, I've toyed around, played around with the potassium in the past for clients, and um, it hasn't been that easy to get. But no. I'm pretty sure you're about to order it. So uh, you're saying there, Wolfgang, um, just clarifying generally, the, str- the more stressed the individual, the more cortisol, uh, right. the more of a, a need for, um, for potassium, yeah? Yeah. potassium
3: mm. and in general electrolytes
0: yeah electrolytes in general cool yeah. but yeah. make sure it has uh, potassium and uh, and of course the phosphorus. potassium
3: phosphorus and then the usuals are mm. uh, sodium and magnesium is mm. also all the time in there and yep.
1: then I suppose uh, Wolfgang sticking with the whole water retention thing once you actually um, I guess introduce the electrolytes to manipulate the balance of water the cell I guess attacking the stress that causes or the cortisol that causes the aldosterone and in, in the first place What sort of um, techniques do you use, or supplementation do you use to actually uh, reduce that kind of chronic cortisol production?
3: Uh, Stop working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but cortisol, it's your friend. The problem, you need cortisol. You need cortisol to train. Mm. You have to have high cortisol in the morning.
4: Mm.
3: Naturally, it should be the highest between six and eight in the morning. This is what wakes you up. Mm. Low cortisol is not good. Actually, if you have constant low cortisol, it's what we now consider a burnout, so severe adrenal fatigue. The problem with cortisol is that you should not have it chronically elevated.
1: Yeah, yes.
3: Our adrenal glands are built for high stress, no stress. So, a couple thousand years ago, you were chased by a saber toothed tiger. That was severe stress. That was actually real stress. It was dead or alive. Yep. Right? And either you got the saber toothed tiger caught you or not. So it's short stress and then it's easy. Yes. In these days we barely have real stress, like dead or alive, that's really a question. We Mm. never have the saber-toothed tiger attacking, Mm. but what we have is that saber-toothed tiger running 10 meters behind us. Yes, sending us emails. It's not attacking, but it's constantly there. Yes. If you have a cortisol peak, it will take you about six to seven hours to go back to baseline. Half-life is about two hours. So if you're severely stressed in the morning, let's just uh, the easiest way to get stressed in the morning is by having you wake up by an alarm Dude. while you still want to sleep, and then you wake up, you have barely any time for breakfast, and then you get traffic, and then you get emails, you get phone calls, and so on. So basically, it potentiates this chronically elevated cortisol, which fatigues your adrenals, which increases the umbilical skin fold, and which will basically drain you of energy so cortisol management is i use the different herbs to manage cortisol of course uh food's very important and uh resetting the biorhythm so i want my clients to go to bed early and wake up early yep okay that's the easiest thing to do and also one thing every one of my clients does is the lime and salt water in the morning yes so for those, for those listeners who have not done that, it's very simple. It's the first thing I recommend every client because there's nothing that has such a large impact with such little effort. You take a glass of water, add a quarter teaspoon of Himalaya salt or any other color salt, and you add a tablespoon of lime juice or the juice of one lime. So if you have a glass bottle of lime juice, you just do a tablespoon. If you have fresh limes, just take the juice of one lime You mix that in a glass of water and you drink it right after waking up. That's actually the easiest thing you can do to support your adrenals. You need that sodium right in the morning. Yep. It will nourish your adrenals without stimulating and further fatiguing it. The most commonly used uh, adrenal food or product is coffee. It's Mm. caffeine. Caffeine stimulates the adrenal glands. The problem with caffeine, though, is that you fatigue your adrenals. What you want is you want to support it, and one of the easiest things to do is have a glass of water with a quarter a teaspoon uh, Himalaya salt and uh, lime juice right upon waking. Yeah, and basically the, no effort, no time, doesn't cost anything.
0: And the lime juice, uh, lime juice, Wolfgang, is that uh, from a detoxing perspective? What's the, the...
3: It's, it gets metabolized the alkaline, but yep. if you technically. All citrus fruit will work, but the lime from experience works best. If you don't have limes on hand, you can also use lemon. Mm. Yes. That works too.
1: It is quite amazing because I've been doing that for uh, quite a while now and it does actually make you, wake you up. It's surprising (laughs) the actual pepper in your step it does put. Yeah. Bulletproof lime (laughs) juice, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. We're we're on
4: (laughs) to something. Nice,
3: nice. I like simple tricks that have large impact. Mm. So, and this is one of the ones. I used to use it only with people that were severely fatigued in the morning, but at a time like yeah. four or five years ago, mm. I was basically, hey, every one of my clients has ch- challenged adrenal health. Yeah. So any support the adrenals can take, take them. And since then, it's basically the first thing I'll get.
0: Mm. Excellent. Maybe uh, while we're talking about uh, you know, limes, that's obviously a, a, a you know, type of fruit, and uh, why don't we go down the nutrition path, mate? Um, you talk about when you initially get a client, depending on their goal, of course, but do you uh, once you've done the lime juice and the, the Himalayan rock salt, what do you do with them nutritionally? I guess general pop for, for a start, and then obviously we'll talk about athletes a little bit later.
3: I like to make it as simple as possible, as because possible, the number one thing with food is the client needs to be able to follow it. Yeah. Mm. So one thing I learned from Charles polyquin is you go step by step. Don't overwhelm the client. Yeah. So day one, the only meal I change is breakfast. Why? Because breakfast is usually the easiest meal to change. And it's the meal that has the most impact on the whole day. So I make a small change and you will get good results. So, the first meal we talk about is breakfast. I do not talk about lunch. I do not talk about dinner. I don't care. If you eat three times a day, which is what most clients do, you eat 21 times um, a week. So, by changing just the breakfast, you've only changed one-third, seven meals, which will have an impact. Mm. So, I'll just go by meal one, breakfast, and then the next appointment, we'll talk about lunch, and the next appointment, which is... Appointment by appointments about three four weeks. We'll talk about dinner. So I'm very gradually uh, Changing it if someone is fairly advanced with food. I might change uh, lunch and dinner at the same time Okay, so i have a an appointment
0: and, and do you ever go down the the counting calories approach or is it more along the lines um, of what Charles does?
3: Yeah I'm not a big fan of uh, weighing food because there's very few people that do not get neurotic on it. Yes, so the only time where I, where you have to have your weigh your food is, like six to eight weeks out of a physique competition. Yeah. Okay. Like at that time, doing it in intuitively is not smart. Yeah. But okay. other than that, I never have to my clients weigh food. One thing I tell them is nobody eats too much. You don't eat too much. The problem is you're not eating the right foods. It's not even about the bad foods. It's about not eating the right foods, because if you had a large salad with some avocado and some chicken, you will not eat a whole pizza after. But if you did not have that salad, you did not eat for eight hours, you will eat that whole pizza. So, you will not eat too much of good food. Like You will not eat five pounds of salmon, six avocados, two heads of broccoli. Okay. You will not eat that in a day. It's not going to happen. So Maybe get- it happens one day, but it will not happen continuously. Okay. And if you eat that much continuously, I'll guarantee you, you will not get fat of it. If you train, you will actually get muscular on it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more about choices and about quality. That's one thing I'm, I'm very big on. Uh, Juan Carlos is a very good example. He's a good friend. I've just been over to the DR uh, two weeks ago, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that place is food quality wise the best place I've been in the world I
0: I, I was I was gonna ask you that because (laughs) I know Charles and you know obviously Charles very well and uh, he does rave on and on about the DR and, and, and and Juan did talk it up a little bit too and um he, he, he actually liked it from the, the big change he, he saw was the recovery benefit of mm. like the yeah. quality food. It seemed to like the, they would recover and, and, and bounce back from the, the training sessions, but yeah. it, is it really that good? Is the dr is it worth going to the DR just to eat for a couple of weeks?
3: <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you know the story about the mango, because that's one of the first time I've read about training and the DR was the story about Charles <laughs> telling where he went to the uh, DR and the food is so good yeah. that you have to, have to eat a mango. Over a sink because the juice is pouring all over your hands. Yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. nice. I've like, never eaten a mango like that before. <laughs> I went to the DR the first time, and I got a mango and I peeled it with my teeth, yeah. and the juice was dripping all over my hands. <laughs> like, I am not a fan of mangoes. Yeah. When and I go to the DR, I have fruit with every meal. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Juan. How, how was it with Juan? Just as a side note, he uh, threw the invitation out to Tom and I and said, "Look, come over. You can stay at my place." Is he? He sounds like a. I met him here when he was in Sydney, and he's a really awesome guy. Uh, did he have the, offer you the same uh, gold class treatment? while are you over there, mate? Yeah.
3: Yeah, he, yeah, he's a great guy. He's he's a great host. Like he takes me to dinner every night. We'll go for yeah. lunch. We'll go for breakfast, depending on his schedule. Yeah, like he takes. Very well cared mm. guests.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, I will actually go back there in February for a couple of days. Yeah. It's uh, as far as sun goes, food goes, and also the gym. Yeah. His gym is great, and the atmosphere in there is great. And Carlos definitely has a big impact on the atmosphere. Yeah. So yeah, it's only. It's a-, a great place to visit, and if you're interested in building size, in my opinion, there's no place in the world where it's easier to put on size. Because you wake up, you eat great breakfast, like the, the meat they have there, it's like, I had a steak at the airport the last time, and yeah. the steak was great. Yeah, right. Like, the you airport, go, eating at the airport is, is always a big. Problem, yeah. right? yeah, yeah. I had a steak, and it was great. Like, you have the best breakfast, you, you lie in the sun for a bit, you train, oh, you go for lunch. The best carpaccio I've ever had is in the DR. You <laughs> eat great food, you lie in the sun for a bit more, you go train again. Go back to the hotel, work, and then you go for dinner, and you be bed by like nine o'clock. Beautiful. And uh, did you good. work on the
0: tan while you're there, uh, Wolfgang? I think you're <laughs> of course you're, you're pasty white like me, mate. But <laughs> you got a bit of
3: color. Yeah, I actually do now. Yeah, I try <laughs> yeah. to get as much. I try to get as much uh, sun as possible. Yeah. Which uh, actually, this summer in Germany was great. Like it was the best summer in ten years. Yeah, nice. Uh, but more, more sun is better. Yeah. I like the sun, so I did like. There's a hotel right next to his gym. Uh, it has a rooftop pool. So uh, <laughs> beautiful. And there's some of the great, best beaches in the world, just uh, outside of San Domingo. We actually went for a couple days. There's, Do you remember the Barcardi commercial from the 90s? Uh, like it's yeah. a white sandy beach with like palm trees and all that. Really, yeah. Yeah. This is in the DR. It's an island on the north coast of the DR. Oh, beautiful. Like yeah, crystal clear water, beautiful. We actually went there for three days just to like get away from work for a bit. And then I went and uh, visited Juan Carlos, trained twice a day. Beautiful.
1: That sounds really good. Well, while you're on training, Wolfgang, I mean, you've given us a bit of an insight into what you do uh, nutritionally with your, your general POP clients. Yeah. What about some of the um, the training strategies that you use? Let's say that uh, hypertrophy is the goal. What, what, what kind of systems or rep ranges are you working with initially with a client?
3: The secret of weight training is adding more weight to the bar mm, yeah. okay. i'm a i'm a big believer in um the stronger you get for reps the bigger you get yeah. so in the average trainee there's guys that can do whatever and they grow yeah we have all seen that right yes but the average trainee especially the average personal training client uh, it's not that easy for them so one of the easiest for sports i have indicator lifts An indicator lift is a lift that correlates directly with sports performance. So for example, I train a lot of short track speed skating. An indicator lift would be a front squat and an incline barbell press. Which means if those two lifts go up, you have guaranteed improvement in uh, in the performance on the ice. Mm -hmm. The same thing I use for body cock. It's basically a chin up and a squat. A usual indicator lift is always one RM. Especially in power sports, whereas for uh, body comp, I like to use a six RM. That means if you do today six reps on a chin up for uh, with five kilos added to your body weight, and you will do four months from now six chin ups with twenty five kilos added, you will have. I guarantee you, your whole upper body will have gotten muscular and lean. Same deal for squatting. If you do one forty for six today. And four months from now, you 180 for six. You've gotten leaner. You've gotten bigger. Your legs have gotten bigger.
0: Yeah, nice. Okay. That's
3: the uh, that's the base philosophy of what I use.
0: I love the simplicity of it. Yeah. There's not so much worrying about metabolic stress this, metabolic stress that. Supplements. It's just add weight to the bar. If it's going up, the the body's adapting and getting putting more muscle on mm-hmm. and uh, leaning out. Fantastic. That's a nice little segue into the uh, squat
1: holiday program, yeah. Wolfgang. So can you can you talk us through that one?
3: It's easy. It's a week, you squat three times a day. All you do is squat. I it's a to go to morning the workout, Republic. the base template I start out. It's a back squat, you do 10 sets of three. Yeah. Uh, 180 second pause, five zero, one zero tempo. You work up to one heavy set. So the spread I like to use on that is about 30%. So if your max is 100 kilos, your first work set is 70 kilos. And you go up every set till you hit 100 and you go back down if there's sets left. Then uh, the second workout of the day is a heels elevated back squat. Six sets of four to six, working up to one heavy set. And a third workout of the day is four sets of eight to 12. Um, Three minute pause here too. On a second workout I'll do like a four zero one zero. On the third workout a three zero one zero. Mm -hmm. So the tempo gets a bit faster. You gotta take about three hours, three, four hours between workouts. Yeah. The last workout has to be done before 6 p.m. Yep. So you cannot go at 9 p.m. and do your workout. It will screw your bio It will screw your recovery, testosterone, and so on. So it's three workouts a day. You repeat these workouts for five, six days in a row. There's no other exercise that can take this much frequency as the squat. So for example, if, uh, if I would do that with a deadlift, if I do 10 sets of three deadlift, on Monday morning, and then I do another 10, six sets of four to six deadlift, and then another four sets of eight to 12 deadlift, mm. What? how will my back be by Monday night?
1: Yeah, be non-operational. Beat up. Yeah.
3: So I'll come back Tuesday, my performance will have dropped at least 15 to 20%. Mm.
1: Yeah.
3: Deadlift is the best example, because yep. that's the exercise that can take the least frequency. Yep. With the squat and the squat holiday. As um, Matt has said, it's twenty kilos in one week. So you're squatting every day three times, and your poundage just will go up throughout that week.
1: Yeah. And right. do you uh, add in any supplementary exercises with that? No. No. It's just all you do is squat.
3: All you do is squat. <laughs> there is yeah. some modified, and more advanced version where I do change it a bit up. Yeah. But it's about. I'm a. It's another great thing I've learned from Charles is. Weight training is about training the nervous system. Training the nervous system is like learning a language. So if I want to get good at a language, I have to practice it. Yeah. So if you want to get good at squatting, you have to squat. If you want to get good at chin-ups, you have to do chin-ups. Yes. Accessory work does have this place and it's very, very important. But for something like that, I want the most exposure to that movement pattern. Yeah. This is why I don't mix it up that much. I just want to have a squat. What I do is on the second two workouts, I do heels elevated to take some pressure off the low back because most people, their low back is not that conditioned. Yes. To do three times a day, heels flat back squat, that will blow, blow off their back. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do a little variation there, but it's still a very similar movement yeah. pattern. So the more often you repeat that pattern, the, the easier it's for you to do. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing most people will tell you is when they've done the squat holiday, they get under the bar and the squat feels so natural. Because yeah. you have done so many reps so many in reps.
1: Yeah. In terms of nutrition, while you're doing the holiday, uh, Wolfgang, are you trying to sort of eat heaps and fuel yourself as you go or, or, or deplete down eat. a little bit? No, you want to eat.
0: Eat.
3: Yeah. <laughs> eat more, if in doubt, eat more. Yeah. I, I've had <laughs> two guys put on eight kilos in that week. I've had another guy put on seven. And I've uh, one guy actually repeated it, and I think the first time he put on seven, and the second time he put on five kilos. Um, it's a very easy very easy way to put on size, but you got to eat. Yeah.
2: There's a
3: shake after every training, yep. you have to have a shake that you can tolerate. So for example, if you're not tolerated weight, you can't have a weight shake three times a day. I've had that. People like, they were like, they couldn't eat because they would drink a weight shake and it, they, no.
0: it's loaded, yeah. they were yeah. not
3: tolerant. Yep. So you have to have a shake after every training. For females, I do like aminos after the first two trainings and then uh, do a, a shake after the last training. Because the shake will be easy to put on size, and putting on size is not the goal of most females. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have you have the breakfast, you have to have lunch, you have to have a snack between workout two and three, and then of course dinner. And dinner is carbs. Like if you got some muscle, like the leaner you are, the more size you have, the more carbs you have to eat. Like I don't care if you eat three four hundred grams for dinner. Yep. Yeah. Eat.
0: Do you, do you feel, uh, Wolfgang? Do you feel that uh, mass? Obviously on the lower body, but all over mass, like the whole body all over will grow. Mass. Yeah.
3: You put size on your upper body too. The stress to your body is so high that your body will grow. There's actually one study I remember from from long ago. It's a study they squatted and the upper arm circumference um,
0: actually went up. Got bigger. Up.
3: Yeah. So your biceps grew by squatting.
0: Yes. And what about the uh, post? Uh, squad holiday. What do you do in the the subsequent weeks? Do You got to keep the pedal to the metal, or you're having some downtime. What what happens?
3: You got to take th- three to five days off, and it, most people can squat after it right away. But the stronger you are, the more I like to tend to do one phase as deadlifting, because I have had guys like if you if your max on a squat is 240, you will the load you will move. Totally in that week, it would be a lot more than if your max squat is 120, right? Yeah, yeah. So that means a lot more damage to your tissue.
0: Mm,
3: okay. And uh, I've had guys that it, it beat them up so bad because they were fairly strong. Yeah. That I would have to do a week or two of deadlifting just to give the legs more rest, and then it would get back into squatting, and the weight would just shoot up.
4: Mm, beautiful. But this
3: is the rare case, so... The rule is, the, the higher you squat, the more you have to get a little bit away from it. Yeah. And then, but for most people, just you take three to five days off, you go back and you squat, and you'll be all good.
0: And what about anything? Uh, I know, and you would know yourself the super accumulation, um, the Charles uh, obviously yeah. made popularized. Uh, he, ah. he loves the fish oil, high dose fish oil during. D- are you doing anything to? To uh, help you get through the the inherent inflammation, and joint inflammation that you would...
1: My knees are hurting just talking about this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
3: So, of course, I do recommend a multi. I do recommend a magnesium. Um, I do recommend aminos electrolytes during the training. And one thing I really like for if you train a high volume for a short time is uh, phytosome curcumin. Uh, Thorne makes one called Meriva, that's one thing if you do high volume where I have found that for short term use, it it does an excellent job at reducing inflammation. Also um, another product I like is Tetraze. it's an enzyme that helps you deal with uh, damaged tissue. Okay. Tetraze.
1: Tetraze. And what's the dosage you like with the, the curcumin Wolfgang?
3: Most people do well on three times one or three times two capsules a day. Uh, the product I use it's Meriva 500. That's what it's called because there's different strengths. Yeah,
1: so that's 500 milligrams a tab. I think. Yeah.
3: yeah. Three times one, three times two is what, what most people uh, need. The only time I've seen good results with higher dosages is if there's acute injury yeah. or surgery. Okay. So there's a quite some damage to soft tissue
0: yeah we've had christian Sabido on uh on the program before and he's a a big fan of the the, the curcumin really really loves high dose curcumin and uh, just generally loves it. Mm. it
3: has a lot of benefits curcumin is a product i do like to use uh at times not all the time i've just not found to the great results if you use it all the time i like to be efficient you know yep. most yep. of my clients take less than five supplements yep, like yep. Over ninety percent of the clients that come see me have never taken a supplement in their life. Mm-hmm. There is no supplement stores in Germany. Like it's yeah. so new to them. It's not like the U.S. or I think Australia is similar, yeah. where you like give me every supplement that would have a benefit. me like, just yeah. give me this. I'll take it. I'll take it. As nah, it's different. So I have to be very efficient about my mm-hmm. my yeah. choices. Bang,
0: bang for so the I buck, I guess.
3: Yes, yeah, so I it, rotate stuff in and out.
1: It would appear, Wolfgang, that your few months at uh, Business College actually wasn't such a waste, you know. You opened up the first personal <laughs> training gym in uh, in Germany. You've got the first supplement line going on in there, the first yeah. amino acid uh, yeah. complex. In the world. In the world. Yeah. In, in the world. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what you've got on the cards uh, coming up for the future, mate.
3: There's a new product. I have an idea for a new supplement. I've had this. Uh, actually, I've had this when I visited Juan Carlos. And uh, I'm currently trying to get that done. If it gets done, it will be released in January. And there's next year there's going to be a lot of seminars and there's also going to be a few things in English. So we have the trainer certification, which is six modules. We're going to host a few squat days next year. There's going to be also be a front squat day.
4: Oh, yeah. So nice. uh,
3: ten, 10 workouts of front squatting in that day. Um, Jeez. There's going to be a, a Hawaii strength clinic with uh, Charles and Ed Cohen and Oh, generally, awesome. which I look very much forward to. Yeah, yeah. that will be phenomenal.
0: What, um, just before we deviate too far away from uh, supplementation, mate, what are your other, you mentioned curcumin, obviously the the magnesium you're a huge fan of, the inositol. Uh, any other in your, uh, you know, top five supplements? Uh, obviously you need to be selective with the German uh, population, but anything that you really like that uh, you would One recommend?
3: product I really like, which is in my opinion, uh, people don't use it enough. Most people don't use it at all. And I would say I'm the personal trainer in the world that uses it the most. It's a sweet water microalgae called chlorella. Chlorella, yeah, yeah. I use a lot of it. I use eight different forms of it. I've actually discovered just a ninth form, and I experimented with that. And I see very good benefits. So every one of my clients, that's one of the supplements you will take when you work with me. So there's yeah, different okay. forms for different tasks, but there's you will take at least one form of chlorella. It's the plant with the highest chlorophyll content. Yeah. It actually does over 20 things and uh, supports your intestines. It supports your liver, and the main benefit is the high chlorophyll content because chlorophyll binds toxins, especially petroleum-based toxins and heavy and light metals in your intestines, okay. and it... It mobilizes and eliminates it. There's a lot of things that mobilize metals, but there's very few things that bind and eliminate them. And okay. chlorella is one of them.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah I, mean, yeah, I do. My guys take some chlorophyll in the morning uh, with the uh, I, I, I tarnish your uh, you know your uh, rock, rock salt lime little combo and get them to throw a uh, tablespoon of chlorophyll in there as well. But uh, okay, chlorella, very good. What else, mate? Anything? Uh, anything really you really like the Look uh,
3: licorice is a product I use a lot, it's a uh, it's very strong adaptogen, most adaptogens in my opinion, in my experience are too weak for modern day stress, they don't do as much as they're supposed to, because uh, the amount of stress we have is so high, but licorice is the one adaptogen I do use a lot.
0: Is that to people that have low cortisol to increase the half-life of cortisol exactly. in the morning?
3: So basically, whenever your umbilical fold is not where it should be, low. Uh, licorice is a product I use a lot with great success. So to basically increase morning cortisol, okay. reset your biorhythm, increase your energy, lower your umbilical skin fold.
0: Excellent. Okay. And improving sleep there as well, I'm sure.
3: Uh, vitamin D is another product I every one of my clients uses. I'm a big fan of that
0: yep okay so the we got the curcumin we got the obviously the electrolytes the 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 chlorella the vitamin d quite a comprehensive um you know range of of base supplementation yeah yeah awesome
3: it's about five supplements that every one of my clients takes but as it's totally it's over 60 supplements that i do a advanced supplementation seminar where i speak on the stuff i don't use that regularly and it's actually, it's over 60 seminars that I, uh, over 60 supplements that I use. Yes. But it's only five of them that every one of my That everyone use. takes. Okay.
1: Yeah. I see. That makes sense. So Wolfgang, as we start to wrap things up now, mate, in terms of the, uh, the seminars and the projects that you're working on now, I mean, I think we're talking to you in uh, Arizona? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so is that what you're, what you're up to these days?
3: Uh, just, uh, I'm here for a couple of weeks just to get out of the regular uh, gym Everyday business and yep. work on my business instead of in my business. Yes. There's just a bunch of product projects that uh, have piled up, and uh, you know, you have a gym, you have your clients, plus you have to manage the gym, emails, all that stuff. So you yeah. don't get as much stuff done as you like. Podcast. So
0: <laughs>
3: Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Podcast is better than emails.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, so I decided earlier this year that the only way to get stuff done is that I have to get. I have to get out of my uh, out of the daily work schedule, mm. and uh, and this was one place I, I went to the DR, and then I came here. Yeah, There's two great places it has something we don't have in Germany, which is called sun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it has great food. It has great gyms, and we're very zoned on another thing. It's nine hours time difference, yeah. so while I'm working, everybody is sleeping. So I'm not constantly getting new emails.
0: Very good. Very good.
3: So yeah. it's uh, a productive stay.
1: Yes. So you go from a squat holiday to a work holiday.
0: Yeah,
3: true. I'm training twice a day. Very nice. I was that's gonna, another thing I was that's gonna, good. It's a little more time for training. Yeah.
0: I yeah. was gonna say that before we wrap things up, mate. What do uh, what, you still, uh, obviously, uh, when I spoke to Juan and uh, you know these various, and we're talking about Charles, are you, are you still extremely passionate about training yourself and uh, you make sure that's definitely part of what you always do?
3: I, uh, I never skip workouts. I have not in, in years.
0: Yeah, awesome. if I don't
3: have time, I'll get in a short workout, but I don't skip workouts. I train five plus days a week. Yeah, in my opinion, every trainer should. And in my opinion, yeah. one of the things that holds trainers back is that they're not training enough themselves. Yeah, it's part of the deal. If you're a trainer, you get in any business, you got to be passionate about what you do.
1: Yeah,
3: and uh, I love training, I do enjoy it so. Yeah. I'll
1: do it. Perfect. Awesome. Sounds good, Wolfgang. Well, mate, look, thank you so much for your time uh, on the podcast, mate. It's, um, I mean, aside from the emails that came in re- for your uh, requesting you to come on, Rod and, and I have had you on the shortlist for a while, mate, so it's yeah, fantastic to talk that. to you. And Thank um, you for having me. Yeah, thank you for your time, mate. It's great.
0: Yeah, hopefully we'll uh, catch up soon over in the Dominican Republic with uh, Juan. I might yes. come over and uh, do a week's training with you guys. Eat some mangoes.
3: <laughs> do that. You will not forget it. The first time.
0: <laughs> All right mate, have a good day. Have a good night. We'll uh catch Thank up you. soon. Bye. Thanks, Wolfgang. See you, you mate.
1: Too. Bye. Good night. See ya.
0: It doesn't get any... uh, It just gets better and better. It's like a fine wine. Oh, Wolfgang. He's uh, very knowledgeable.
1: Very knowledgeable Wolfgang. Very switched on. Very savvy uh, businessman as well, by the sounds of things. Yes. Everything he's got going there. But some uh, really good uh, supplement recommendations. Yep. I'm going to uh, look into that potassium uh, intra-workout. Yeah. Uh, That sounds exciting. Yeah. Um, Something that's a
0: little bit different that uh, we hadn't really heard on the show before. Yeah. The uh, Squad
1: holiday. The squad holiday. Uh, I also like what he was saying about in terms of uh, muscle mass, the correlation with uh, strength and obviously weight on the bar, but uh, not so much a 1RM increase over a 6RM increase. Okay. And, And that would make sense, you know, like hitting a 1RM is as much about just having a really good lift. Yes, uh, as Technique it is to do all it and sort of that kind of level. stuff. But if you can, uh, you put a significant amount of weight on a six RM. Well, there's no way you can sort of bluff your way through that. You know, yes, you, you need
0: extra muscle mass. Yeah, and, so. and that six RM would probably be in that uh, that bracket where you can repeat six RMs in that nice 90 uh, percent of one RM type bracket, yeah. which actually leads to hypertrophy because the the fatigue with those singles uh, and doing any sort of volume with singles or, or doubles. You know, which is just forget it. It's not yeah, going to
1: happen. that's right. So there he was, Wolfgang. Very good to have him on the show. Rawdon, we had a little bit of a chat about
0: some strategies or I guess explaining what's
2: happening yeah. uh, over Christmas Chewing when you eat off. all that beautiful
0: food. Yep, get in some berberine if you if you want to give that a crack, see if it uh, helps. And of course, uh, uh, the fiery red beard of uh, Luke Tulloch of Lift Performance was in.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, some
0: myth-busting surrounding fat loss there, you know. Once again, calories are king. Yeah, calorie. Look, it, I mean, that's what the research suggests. But he did point out that controlling insulin is probably a, a worthwhile uh, prospect over time. Over
1: time, health benefits, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Definitely. That has been the Christmas special. The next time you hear from us will be uh, the new, new and year, improved. When the show actually starts. Yes, We're yes. just getting a couple of ones out of our system. Well yeah, the cobwebs yeah. yeah. out. See you guys then. Have a good Christmas.